0: Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. And yes, that tone of my voice says all that you need to know about Watford's 2-0 defeat away at Middlesbrough. Um, we do lots of podcasts on From the Rookery End. Thank you for everyone who listened to the uh, the On Your Way to uh, Middlesbrough podcast. We did uh, with Colts 11. We'll reflect on some of your feedback on that a bit later on. But the point of it is we do a podcast after every game and we will use that as a marker, a something in the sand, uh, because we try and tell the whole story of Watford season as fans of Watford Football Club. My name is John. Uh, with me, uh, uh, ooh, what, 20 minutes after uh,
1: the final whistle, uh, is uh, DCW. I think people should listen to the Away Day pod on the way home from Middlesbrough. Actually. <laughs> Again, if you want to. Yeah. yeah. It might be a bit
2: nicer, yeah. Uh, and Geordie's here also. Hello. I think um, if you did listen to the Away Day pod on the way to the game, then well done for going. And, and yes. commiserations, and I hope you go over it soon. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a long, long way. To Middlesbrough. I don't know if it's further than Tipperary, but
0: it, it probably felt that way um, today as, as what for fans, or at least on the way home. Uh, so well done, uh, as Mike said on the podcast. You are the heroes, really. Just congratulations, it, let boys. This, this it was a game. I think D. W. You just said it's it's a classic championship game, uh, and it's the you know the a, a slightly different sort of setup and team, let's say, than what we played last week at Waltham, but not a dissimilar maybe even worse uh, performance from Watford.
1: What are you What are you taking away from that game in terms of what you saw? Definitely a worse performance than last week, which is puzzling in some respects because we looked at the line-up today and, you know, it was good to see Davis back in and, you know, you had a bit of, maybe a little bit of hope that we could, you know, that we could win this game. It was always going to be tough, because Middlesbrough are a good team, as we saw today, but just it just never got going we had a f- couple of little moments on the break couple of little half chances in the first half when it was still nil nil but that first goal was a bit of a you know calamitous defending and then it the wheels really came off after that and we we needed to get to half time 1-0 only only 1-0 and for them to score that goal in the third minute of first half stoppage time, was just the the killer blow. And you just really felt like we weren't going to get back in it after that. And it just, it was a disjointed display. We we gave Borough a lot of space to play. Uh, you know, Village appeared to change the shape two or three times, five substitutions, more injuries. Like, nothing went right for us today. No,
0: and it wasn't going to. Jordy, what did you think, though, first half-wise, you know, classic Watford, it's not classic Watford, but th- this season, you know, we've started so slowly and not really imposed anything on the team. It is an away game. They did have uh, the new uh, player for them, Cameron Archer, who, who, you know, who started incredibly brightly. Um, but at no point did Watford really get going. Defensively, though, that first half was atrocious, towards the end at least. Did that second goal, though did it just seem like Sierra Alta, who's got injured he went off minutes later and never came back on again he, you know he, it, it that almost was that the mistake if if he had a bit of energy to him would we have just gone in 1-0 up
2: i think 2-0 was probably a fair half time score to be honest um to kind of today's point we it was a championship game but this this season in the championship we seem to start slowly mm. and had it been another had the boot been on the other foot we'd have probably said oh you know we've been on top we needed to score now because no doubt the the pendulum's going to swing the other way, but it never swang our way. There were a couple of breakaway attacks, but it felt, I know this is like FA Cup weekend, it felt like we were a division below Middlesbrough, um, that we weren't used to playing against a team that was um, that well kind of familiar with what they were trying to do. I know we've had a lot of new signings, and it feels, I know, I know we're doing okay in the league, but th- this season, off the back of last season, where we kind of bought a load of players to stay in the Premier League and failed, and then we bought some players in August who, you know the likes of Manai and Bayo and and people like that, who, and who don't look like they're part of the future. Now we've got another in, influx. It feels like in history we'll look back at this season as a as a bit of a a bridge, if you like, between the old and the new. Um, we've brought in a lot of young players, but they don't. They haven't played with each other, and it looks like we're lacking, really lacking a um, a preseason with the manager uh, and to know how we're playing because we don't. We don't progress the ball, and we can we can point at the defence. And that second goal, it they, they pass through us. It's like almost like a computer game where you know uh, the, the defence is a static, and you somehow find a space. Well, it's like watching Barcelona from you know when they had Javi and Iniesta and Messi just kind of passing through teams, and you thought, why well, aren't they trying to defend? You didn't realise how good the opposition were. It was just it was Middlesbrough, and they just sliced us open as if they without any real pressure on the ball. And it's the kind of thing that if you do in the Premier League, you'll you get hump six seven nil every game. So we i think we need to we need to almost we need to get the players in and then we need to stop and say right now we're going to meld this team into or these individuals into a team so
0: what you want Jordy, is is a month off maybe in the middle of the season oh no had that already can't do it again
2: yeah <laughs> but but i think but i think i think there's lots of mitigating factors this season like i said we 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 bought a squad to stay up um and then had to sh- had to ship them out largely we then bought players, I guess, to fill in this season squad to fill those gaps, some better than others. We've had managerial change, we've had like some serious injury pr- um, problems, and even, that, even that's continuing today. I mean, I went for a run with Jason this morning and, and uh, kind of did my calf, so I kind of feel some empathy for what the players. I feel like um, I'm one of them. I'm um, not going to get paid the same um, as them, and I'm pretty good to work through my injury. Uh, my boss is not let me. Um, to sit in physio for, for for three or four weeks, but it just feels like we need to just say, right, this is it. This is the team. These are the players that are going to be the squad, uh, and we're going to find a way to play. Because there are, we don't know the defence. You know, like I said, the defence let that goal in by bad defending, but we don't bring the ball forward. The defence. It's a bit like you know, we're buying lottery tickets. The more we let teams attack us, the more likely they are to find a way through once or twice. Or a defence, a defender is going to make a mistake, and then the, the then the blame gets put on the person who made that mistake. But we don't we don't hold the ball in midfield. We don't uh, have any kind of um, synchronicity up front where we are passing the ball around. There was a couple of kind of flash attacks which were almost played on instincts because players are just running forward with the ball and passing quickly and taking one, two touches. We often go back and go sideways and retain possession, but we don't have um, an Abdi, if you like. We don't have uh, anyone to unlock that difficult um, that, that defence. Dave, let's talk about that midfield
0: itself. It's still makeshift and we know it's still makeshift it is Gaspar still in there and we know he's played great and we know that we've looked at that and gone well done lads slap on the back but it is still makeshift and Kone is still new and well you know the midfield what we started in that midfield with Chowdhury he did fantastic um, last week It it isn't set up to be what Geordie just said there it isn't set up to be something forward moving um, really um, and it it really showed today against an, the organisation of, of Middlesbrough. They weren't getting it forward really. To actually, let's start. Let's let's go back a bit. Let's start with the, the attack. Martins still new. Saar didn't really do what he could do today. And Davis, recently back from injury, they never got going. Do you put that down to them? Do you put that down to Middlesbrough, or do you put that down to um, the fact that they weren't getting fed
1: in the right way? There's elements of all three in, in in some ways, but I think, you know, Martin's had really our best chance of the game in the first half mm. when he sort of broke through and had that shot that was he was on the sort of, he was on Middlesbrough's left and he was sort of cutting inside, trying to go across the keeper, but he got it wrong and hit it over the bar. But, you know, Davis is a, a mercurial sort of figure. We, we we just can't seem to get him going properly. He, he has these little flashes where we think, right, OK, he's ready, he's going to go. And then off at half time today, misses a few, you know, gets an injury, misses a few games. He, he he can't seem to really get in the team and stay in the team and really deliver his best week in week out. Which is the same for the whole team. That's the whole problem, you know. And Saar again, we, we're kind of looking to Saar to be the main man, and you you know that he he has his own level of inconsistency as well. But that that midfield is still a massive problem because we had we started off was with the, with the shape that how it's been in the last few weeks, but then he moved to a back three, I think in the yeah. first half, it looked like Chowdhury dropped back to be the right sided defender in the back three, which left Kone and Gaspar in midfield, which didn't work either. Kone goes off at halftime, Choudry goes back into midfield and, you know, there was a whole host of other changes, which meant the shape changed a few more times in the second half. And we, you know, I'm like we're, we're like broken records here, though. We know we're missing Imran mm. Lusa. Like he he is he is that empty figure, Jordi, that you mentioned. He is the creative player that we've badly missed, and we have plugged holes as efficiently as we can. We've signed new players, but he is still the thing that really, really makes us tick. I think, and we, we are missing him badly. Do you think though, with with this back
0: three, back you know, especially with Kamara and and Ferreira just seem to be more attacking. With Davis, is him being the the middleman up front on his own, Dave, is that the thing is that that's that's not it doesn't feel like to me that's the thing that's going to get the most out of him.
1: I think that's I think that is what he's good at. Like he is good on at On his own though? He's good at holding the ball, he's good at carrying the ball. But he needs to when he gets the ball, he needs to bring others into the game. So he needs to lay it out wide to Sar or Pedro if he's playing or Martins, whoever's there around him. You know, I don't I think I think it's fine for him to play that role because when he's done it well for us this season, we've looked really good and he that, that is clearly one of his strengths in terms of his size and his physicality. But just he just hasn't been consistent enough and it's you know, it's a, it was a really dispiriting performance today. Listless performance. It just there was lacked any real energy and bite. Borough are clearly a quite well coached team. Carrick looks quite an impressive figure just starting his managerial career, quite calm, measured figure as he was as a player. But you know, they're, they're not a million miles better than us on right. paper. Like they're, they're in the mix with us. They've got ahead of us now in the league after that result, but we should have been up for it. You know, it's the same as last week right off the back of that, that win the week before, where we were all so happy that Toby scored and there was the good vibes everywhere. We followed it up with two pretty, you know, two duds really in terms of the performances. And it's just, it is, it is the season in microcosm. I think these last few weeks,
0: let's look at the second half. You yeah. know, We are chasing the game. He made three substitutions at half-time, not the ones I don't think I had in my head uh, he would make. We ended up with Adeyemo coming on. Um, We had um, uh, Arouge, who came on, the super kid from Portugal. uh, And also, strangely, but maybe it was to give himself, Slavana a a chance to have something else to add on later on. Uh, On comes uh, Bakuna. Almost instantly, it did, it did kick in. Maybe if we had scored one early-ish in the game, in the second half, should I say, it, it would have been different. dc did you see anything from from our new Portuguese superstar that you thought, meh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get where you're going.
1: He had that sort of half chance right at the start of the second yeah. half where he got through. We won the ball and he got through and, uh, you know, he just overran it slightly and the keeper, the keeper got there. Who I thought Zach Stefan was very good for Baris staying goal. there was a couple of little flashes. You know, there was that one that Saar slipped him in late on in the second half, and his touch was a bit heavy again. But he looked lively, he looked bright. A difficult game for him to come in, come into. The performance of the whole team was so bad, and just the whole, you know, the shape of it all, and trying to chase it. It, 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 it was not ideal for him. But clearly, he's got. Ability and hearing what we heard on the last podcast, about from the Portuguese expert and reading the pieces and, and everything about him, he looks really talented. They've got high hopes of him, so I, it hopefully it will prove to be a good signing. He's got some decent pedigree, but it was hard for him today. And I think you're right; we needed to score a goal early in that second half, and then then you know then the game would have been completely different. We we're on the front foot, we we're one goal behind, we could have got back in it, but as it as it went on, by the end of it, we were going through the motions really, and it was just. We never created a proper clear cut chance, really, apart from that Martin's one in the first half. Even then, it was still a bit of an angle. Um, it didn't look like the players believed in themselves. To yeah, me that's
0: it. Belief was not there in the slightest, was it? But Jordy, the last sort of ditch thing that you know Slaven did—he put on a spree. Uh, he did, of course, bring on Pollock in the 70th minute. But you know that roll of the dice to try and get something going. I, I'm not going to make you. I'm not trying to make you sound like an idiot and say you th- that we. It was a success or it was good. But could you see any drive in the team to not give up and try and get something from it, even if it was one goal? Or am I just trying to be too stupidly positive?
2: I wouldn't say they weren't trying because there was nothing, if you look at the first part of the game, that suggested they weren't trying. They just weren't achieving. So it's hard to say they weren't trying. And I think the longer, you know, those of us that have played football or any kind of sport know that you know when when it's just not your day, it does kind of... You having to do all the running for the opposition to you know, chase them down and you do lose a little bit of confidence and um and so forth i just think i just think there's no we've got a lot of new players a lot of young players a lot of players who are new to the league to the country and there isn't anything that's holding it together we haven't got like a, a unifier that is that is dominating it and 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 dictating where things go we've got players playing way out out of position you know gaspar for example is a good example chowdhury filled in at the back um, we, we, we've got no, we've got no consistency um, in in how we in in, in who we who we're playing and how we're playing. So, like I said, I just think this this I wouldn't want to say the players aren't trying. I don't think that's that's fair. But we saw like Cameron Archer, a player we were looking at this summer, kind of a game changer for them. Had he been in our team, he would barely have touched it because the ball wouldn't have got up to him. It's, I don't think it's down to individuals. It's it's down to I just think that cohesion needs to come, which is a word we've used so many times in the in the recent past. And when it does, when it clicks, we know that we can do, we can play well. But what we need is that confidence because Backman saved us many times. We, we, you know, we were talking earlier about if we'd got a goal back, we could have got a second one back. We talked something, we've joked, you know, previously 2 was a difficult score, it's a hard score. At no point, were Middlesbrough thinking, oh, Watford are likely to get a goal back uh, and make this difficult for us because the third goal for them was more likely and they weren't really pushing for the third goal. They were just playing their game and managing the game really um so i don't want to say the players weren't trying i just think that no one is is playing the role of conductor if you like no one's no one's saying this is how it has to work and therefore no one's really sure what they should be doing who's coming on for who what formation are we playing like i say it just feels like i know i know we're fourth now haven't been overtaken and it sounds kind of dramatic to say we just kind of write this season off as something where we just kind of Much wash away like the palate cleanser from the up and down season as we've had recently. We haven't been good enough when we've gone up, uh, and but we've managed. We've tried to go straight back up. We are we are fourth, but again we're only kind of what seven points, if you like, off 16th. Whoever came in hand on us. So the the league is really really tight, and we're we've given ourselves a chance. If we do click, great. But if we don't, uh, people are saying could we catch Sheffield United? I think that's the level of optimism that comes after a win. I don't think anyone tonight is looking at Sheffield United thinking well how can we catch them because you know it is just not it's just not going to happen is it
1: Funny you say that because listening I was watching the game today on a stream and they had the commentary from BBC Radio Tees uh, over the top of it and those classic sort of biased local commentators they were at the end saying well we're into third now. We're going to looking at Sheffield United. We could catch them. They can't buy any more players. <laughs> the conversation that we sort of were having a couple of weeks ago, when we were starting to be a bit optimistic, I understand the way you're feeling, Geordie, about like this season does have the feel of it. It does really deep down. It feels like it's it's probably not going to go our way, and there's been a lot of problems. It feels very transitiony this season, on and off the field. But we are in the mix. We are there. This this league is not a, a very good league this season. You've got two outstanding teams and you've got a bunch of other teams who are, pretty, you know, on the whole, quite inconsistent. So we are, at the moment, in, a, in one of our down patches. But next week, we play uh, Reading next Saturday, don't we? You know, we could probably beat them and then we're all looking up again. I think that's the kind of... That is the way it's going to be this season. But optimism, if we can find it, is that... We have signed quite a few players. The team is looking a bit different. If everyone was fit, and once the new signings have had more of a chance to bed in, although one of those new signings went off today with what looked like another hamstring injury. So mm. there you go. But it looks like, we, and, and there could be more arrivals before deadline day on Tuesday as well. It looks like we might be trying to sign that. Is it Wesley Hutt? I don't know how you pronounce it. H-O-E-D-T. Uh, I
0: never did Dutch at uh, a yeah, uh, yeah. school, no.
1: But another—he's a left-footed centre-back. We signed Ryan Porteous from from hibernian uh, made of some interesting remarks around his signing in the press conference. But we've we have signed players. We are giving it a go to a to a certain extent. And I think the hope for us remains this season that we can somehow stay in that top six and then arrive in the playoffs. Fit, firing with everyone health settled and cohesive and we give it our best shot. But at the moment, on this dark Saturday afternoon in, at the end of January, that feels a long way off. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC.
0: So let's move on. Let's hope we move on and running away next week. But the away day podcast we did, I did with Colin and, and Mike, uh, the Cult Eleven we put together, we got some feedback, and as Mike said, there was a lot of discussion when we even putting the team we we put together, not in the podcast, but even before it. Some suggestions, Geordie. Uh, our friend uh, David Levy, he got in touch straight away. He said Paul Robinson. Now I, you know, love Robbo and everything. Did lots of things for Watford, but I don't think in a cult I could put him above Jose Holabas.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was listening to the to the pod that you guys did and it's a funny thing we've you know we've talked um for it seems like for an eternity about what is a cult hero and it because there isn't doesn't seem to be a consistent definition it's just a series of things you may have a number of as a player it's hard to then compare who is more of a cult hero than who isn't and so looking at the team that they came up with I wouldn't argue against any of them, but then there there's an equally an alternative 11 that you could have made. Yeah. And I think Hollabass at left back has definitely got a great claim to be a cult hero and also he has recency. Paul Robinson for different reasons. You know, Paul Robinson kind of grew up desperate to play for Watford, I imagine, as a kid and stuff, whereas Hollabass kind of turned up and <laughs> was kind of aghast at the idea that he'd been signed for Watford by his agent when he didn't realise it. So they're, they're fundamentally different players. But, but come on, Geordie. Stop over and analyse it. Would you Paul put
0: Brobbass. him above Jose Hollabass?
2: No, I think if Holobas has got the position, there has to be a, a stronger argument. If Robertson had it, would I put Holobas above him? I don't know if he was the incumbent, but if, I think Holabas is the incumbent. Yeah, definitely. Then, but I think Hollabass probably um, probably gets it.
0: No, Mike and uh, Mike and Colin were not having anybody else there apart from Jose Holobass. Um Attack was always a. I don't know. Even I had a little bit. Of a think afterwards we we agreed uh, DCW on Hider Helgeson uh, in the attack, and you know the discussion we had was. Doesn't he come down as a legend? Might put a case forward. Maybe we got taken away with that case on the podcast. But the other one is Xavier Gravelin, uh being up there. But also, that came from from Dave Levy, but also Matt Nobbs, he said, he before listening, he said, Tamas Priskin has to be in it. Could you see a case for for Tamas or Xavier to to go in and, instead of Hyder
1: to have a greater cultness? I think Haider's bona fide Watford legend, for me. Mm. Too good to be a Here, hero. I understand these sort of... I understand why, because he's kind of got that kind of rough-around-the-edges kind of persona. But he is... If there was a Watford Hall of Fame, he's in it for me. Yeah. Um, but Gravelin I like because... He was he was around for such a short time. He, he had you know those sort of wild eyes. We will remember that game against Southampton where he scored, and he scored against Sunderland as well, I think. But he was here, then he was gone. It was a sort of curious little flash in Watford's history, and what was a ultimately a forlorn season. Um, Whereas I think Tamas Priskin was around too long. We saw him be too too bad for too long. He did have his moments uh, here and there. Like he did quite he did sort of quite well under Brendan Rogers, didn't he? But he he actually was wasn't very good for a long time. I don't think he wasn't fun enough to be a cult hero. He wasn't yeah, good
0: enough to be a cult true. hero. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fun enough. Yeah, fun and cool were the two words we sort of we kept going back to, I think, with uh, on, on that podcast. Uh, thank you to Glasgow Hornet for suggesting one Carlos Parades. However, all right, We put him in the letdown, Eleven, and I don't think uh, you could ever make uh, a, a, a cult hero can be in a letdown. There has to be some sort of positive to it. of Heaven tried their best. Albert McClenaghan with his throw-in. Um, now, that, I, I think he played like two games. and I think that was the one moment where, if you're not aware of the, the legend, uh, he takes a throw-in and he falls flat on his face. And, but it didn't really do enough around the club. That's a, that's a, a maybe. That's a moment eleven, which we could put together players that had had a special moment uh, whilst at Vicarage Road. Uh, and the corner of heaven, Ollie tried his best. Billy Jennings, I've got no idea, Ollie. I've got no idea who he is. Did lots, but I think we need a bit of a deeper conversation rather than a, than a tweet from you, manager. Who should actually have been the manager? We did not consider this. Who would you think? Geordie which should be the manager of the
2: cult eleven. Blimey, I mean that we've got plenty of choose, remember? Exactly. Um, but who was the cultist cultist at <laughs> most? I think again, because it, it like like the players, the, the um, what defines cult. So you could have someone like Steve Harrison, for example, because he mm. kind of um, seemed to kind of he was in the background and then he kind of came came through. Um, I mean, obviously Viali passed away recently, sadly. I mean he, he he probably isn't um, a cult in Watford because of the way things went for him. And similarly, Zola is probably too associated. So I think probably another different Italian. I mean, well, Djukanovic would be an option and Mm -hmm. Sanino, I would say. Maybe Mazzari because Mazzari was a bit of a... Bit of a
1: almost, uh, I don't know. Nah, you can't be a cult hero if you've got if you, if your most famous thing is for someone holding up a sign for you saying "please leave."
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, Vic Vic Bate did send message in, and he did say, and I
0: instantly agreed. It is Beppe Sinino. Yeah, you know, I am. I am. His gaffer. character. I yes. He's, I am Gaffus. He's got a catchphrase. He got. I don't know exactly what you call it. He got protested at, didn't he, by Lloyd Dyer, uh, mm. in the middle of a game. He left when we were top of the league. <laughs> it's bizarre, and he had the greatest suits of any Watford manager ever, with his special little uh, initials on the on his cuffs. Uh, and I think the other thing we talked about a lot on the podcast was coolness, and I think he had a lot of coolness to him when he was there on that sideline.
1: Could you see anyone else, Dave, taking on the managerness, managership of this uh, cult eleven? Glad already mentioned Slavisa Ikanovic. I I I was. Leaning towards him because I think, I think, I know he took us up, but the fact that he didn't get to manage us in the Premier League, yeah, that's true, kind <laughs> of means that there was always this feeling of what, what may have been, what could have been if, if he was allowed to stay or whatever. So I'm very fond of him. He He's got that sort of gruff sort of. Again, similar to sort of Gravelands, even similar to sort of Billich, there's a bit of an edge about him that I like and sort of fits the cult thing well. I think Sanino's a decent choice, but uh, did he do well enough? I don't know. Yeah, I get it. He, he's definitely a character, wasn't he? More of a character, I think, than Savan uh, than won. Uh,
0: so uh, let, let, let's make him in the manager. Um, before we go, before the you know, current manager, he hasn't had a great run. It, it, we know what the Pozzo's are like. I did see a couple of tweets somewhere. Someone, you know, they sort of did question it for the first time. He has sort of been a bit outspoken a little bit. I don't know if that's him just playing, you know, the, the public cards at the moment, just because the transfer window is still open, or if it's him, you know, just maybe showing his unhappiness generally. It, it couldn't, could it? Of course it could. Of course it could, John. Where, where are you feeling about Slavin at
1: the moment? I don't think, I don't think, I saw that they... Um they they ne- the scientists who control the doomsday clock put it at like <laughs> as close as it's ever been this week to like the, the the end of the world or something like that i don't think we're there yet i don't think gino's ticking his doomsday clock on just yet i don't think we're far off like we're never far off but no, I, what yeah. i am what i am noticing uh, look and it's in the immediate aftermath of a pretty limp defeat away on a saturday afternoon but I am noticing just a few mur- murmurings from some of the supporters on online you know, questioning his choice of substitutions, questioning the system and and that sort of thing. I, I I think he's insulated to a certain degree because of the injuries. I think we need to see him have the f- the, the full strength squad, not just the full strength eleven. And 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 you know I, I think he's still got some credit in the bank. It's not a disaster by any means, but it is interesting that he is. He always tells it like it is. And yeah. I think that's a good thing. And I think that is quite an endearing quality. But, it, but I wonder where that line is in terms of him speaking out in public and questioning some of the signings and saying he wants, you know, talking about his wish list, which he may or may not get. And, you know, there's a lot of. After a lot of matches, he's been very honest and said, "Oh, we weren't good enough, or, or you know, we weren't at it today." But there's so many times you can say that before people start going, "Well, isn't it your job to sort sort that out, mate?" So, uh, yeah, I don't. We know, we know we're nowhere near crisis stage at all. That that would be stupid of us to to, to say so. But it doesn't feel that. It doesn't feel like it's all going that smoothly at the moment. No. I think it's one to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, of course it is. Um,
0: but he, he's a chance. Jordy, do, do you see him, though, as, as a manager? Maybe today he, he made dramatic changes at half-time. Um, do you think, though, as a manager, he is adapting to games, as again, as best he can because of what he has on the, the bench?
2: Or is he make, do you think he's making bad choices within, within games? Well, I think, to be honest, whether a decision is a good or a bad decision is often looked at in hindsight. So... Had he made those three changes at the break and we'd, we'd come on and scored in the 47th minute and rescued the game, it would have been like, what a great manager. So I think it's difficult for him. Like, you know, as, as we kind of talked about earlier, he's, he's come in m- not midway through the season, but with the season already begun, had a lot of injuries to deal with, a lot of players in the squad who were new from the start of the season or who hadn't featured greatly like Kayembe and and Kalu. Um, so we're still kind of getting, in, getting into it. And then and then he's had all these players come in in january and the break of the world cup which you know it could have been a benefit or could have not been a benefit so it it's it's a difficult one he's obviously a, a player and uh, and somebody within football who's got pedigree so that buys him some time and he 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 knows he knows football he's an intelligent man I, i'm loath to kind of overly criticize him um, and when he's trying different things, it, yes, it does kind of smack of what I'm not sure what we should be doing. You know, why why are we changing our formation to react? And but then that's then that's proactive. If it works, you say, well, well done. You know, if Mourinho or Guardiola takes somebody off after 26 minutes for a tactical change, that's brave and that's kind of great. But if it's someone who doesn't have, doesn't have that kudos, it's kind of a sign of being a maverick or uh, or someone who's lost the plot. So I think, like I said, I think we just need to. Keep picking up points, keep improving, uh, and not expect us to be the finished article. Probably this season, if like, to, to DTW's point, if we can, if we can keep the top six, and if we can hit the end of the season in good form, and with a good idea of who our best eleven is or best fourteen, be, but have them fit as well, then great. Um, Billich will be looked back on as being a manager who kind of took over a difficult times, went through a lot of turbulence, and and sorted it out. If we finish seventh. Um, it will be seen as as a failure, probably. So I'm not sure under the difficult circumstances that anybody could really drive any cohesion and have a real clear plan when you've got players coming in almost on a weekly basis during the window and players dropping off from long-term injuries almost on a weekly basis. I mean, you look at the players who've had in our squad this season and how many players we've, you know, even had Emmanuel Dennis play for us this season at one point, so... Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there's there's anything other than time can help fix Watford.
0: Well, do we have time? We're not sure. Uh, uh, we have uh, a week until the next game away at Reading, um, and you know who knows what will happen. But we will be there and we will reflect uh, on it as we do with these podcasts, uh, no matter what, uh, as uh, to tell our stories as as fans uh, and and just how we 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 see things. Thank you very much, DCW.
1: I won't be at Reading next week. Actually, I'll be sunning myself on on a, on a beach on the other side of the Atlantic. I will be tuning in, hopefully, on Hive Live. So hopefully, some good news.
0: <laughs> well, it would be nicer to to watch a, a defeat there yeah, than I'll it would you, be in I'll Rio. send you a picture. Don't worry. <laughs> <are you> <laughs> Thanks, or mate. Then? And we'll probably get a legendary uh, DCW voice note. Uh, But that's uh, that's not for the podcast. Uh, Thank you much,
2: Geordie. No problem. I think next week I'm going to be reading instead. um, Rather than watching Reading, just because it would be more pleasurable if it's anything like today. We'll see. We will see. Uh, But we'll be
0: there, so uh, we'll do another podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, And remember, keep following us on social media, at what for podcast uh, And, of course, uh, us on Instagram, Facebook and on Twitter. Come on you wards!